everybody welcome to another edition of we talk photo i am as always one of your hosts john peterson and with me is jack graham how you doing today jack i'm waking up waking up and that's good and both of us here on the day we're recording this we're uh we're both falling victims to a um uh what do they call it a tropical uh Basically, a, a, a flow of water coming through the Pacific Northwest that is giving us about one to three inches of rain here down in the Portland area, about seven inches of rain up in the mountains. And Jack, you guys are getting four to five inches up there, I think. A lot of snow and Mount Rainier, if you could see it. I went to saw it last week, but Mount Rainier is white. It's winter. Winter is yeah. here. Winter's here, and you know, and it's supposed to be down to 31 here next week. And it, we just went from summer to winter. There yeah. was very little fall here in the Northwest. Rain and snow here one night next week. So yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, folks, you know, we don't have a guest for you today, which is okay because there's a lot of stuff happening out there that Jack and I want to talk about. So, uh, Sit down and buckle up, and uh, you know, hopefully, you'll enjoy the ride along with us. So, so Jack, in our world, in the in the Fujifilm world, it was kind of a big week with the uh, announcement of the XT5 coming out. Yeah, you know, I just got back from two weeks sitting in the Smoky Mountains, um, two workshops, and I got a lot of questions from everybody. You know, they all they all uh, figure that, you know, we're on the inside and we know all this stuff, which we, we really don't know. In fact, Bill Forty was telling me he called someone at Fuji prior to the announcement last week and asked them when he could order the XT5. And the answer was, what XT5, basically? <laughs> they, don't, they don't want to talk about it until the announcement. But at any rate, it's uh, it's ready for order. I believe it's going to ship. November seventeenth, you know, and uh, it's it's you know there's rare 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 times when Fujifilm uh, introduces more than one camera within a few weeks, and which they've done now. And there's three new and other. We're not talking GFX now. We're talking the X X line. There's, you know, three cameras on the market. And if you're not up uh, and reading certain websites um, that uh, that have information on them, you know, you can get a little confused. And I've gotten a lot of questions. You know, what do you what am I going to do? Which camera am I going to buy if I'm going to buy a new camera? And why aren't you buying this this XH2S? over the xh2 or why would you consider yeah. the X yeah yeah i've gotten several emails in the last couple of days asking for some insights and advice about what to choose between the xh line and the xt line and uh and to your point though i mean it's it's pretty rare that there's three relatively brand new cameras all released this year from fujifilm and and it's you know my opinion it's a it's a wonderful change because they finally created some differentiation between the XT and the XH in a in a meaningful way I think. Yeah, the XH one was a great camera, and, and and it did exactly what they wanted it to do. It was a little bulky, 
the shutter release, you looked at it, it went down. It was very sensitive and had some issues. But I think Fujifilm marketed that camera wrong. It was, they should have had a lot more success with that camera than they did. And I think it has to do with getting the message across and exactly how good it was and, and what it was good for and, and, and who should use it and who shouldn't use it. Um, but look, we'll get into some of the nuances here and, and try to make this short and sweet so that y'all can uh, notice that y'all uh, two weeks in Tennessee. Please, Jack. Um, so that you all, um, you know, can can make some decisions if that's what you want to do. And, you know, basically, John, I don't know about you, but I just need a camera that does what I need it to do. And, yeah, and, and more more aligned with, I think, our priorities. And, and I, just, I just recently wrote a post where... I didn't, you know, I've been an XT owner for years and, and the XT4 was one that I didn't buy into because I wasn't sure exactly what it was targeted at. It was, you know, it was kind of a hybrid between video and stills and it was trying to be both to everybody. Yeah, <clears> and so that, that was something. It was the XT3. I mean, it was the same sensor, same, you know, a lot of it was an XT3 with a some video updates, a couple other things. Yeah, screen. exactly, exactly. And I think with the release of XT5, I got extremely excited again because they really kind of refocused back to stills photography and quit trying to be a hybrid. They let the XH line be more of that hybrid stills video platform because it's their flagship line. And the XT5 is a little bit more focused on stills photography with still having some great video specs, just not, um, you know, not central to, to what the camera is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, so, so, you know, do you want to talk about the 5 versus the 4 or the 5 versus the H? Let's, let's, let's first of all, look, let's talk about the 5 versus the 4. And, and, and again, to John's point, the X-T4 and the X-T3, uh, the the still image comparisons out of the camera are virtually identical. You know, there's really not a whole lot of difference between the two. Uh, so, you know, first of all, at the price on the X-T4 and the X-T5 is about the same. I think they're, you know, the X-T5 is at $16.99. Yep, yep. That's about what the X-T4 is. Um, you know, the, the main there's there's like four main differences between the two cameras, and 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 again again to John's point, they're substantial. We went from uh, twenty six to forty megapixel. So what that means is that you're going to get sharper, more definition in your images, probably some more dynamic range. Um, you know, um, <laughs> your files are going to be a little bigger. You're, they sure you're will. Better computer to make it work. But, um, you know, it, it is a substantial difference. And and just to be clear, the 5 is still using the X-Trans sensor. Correct. Yep. It, and, and we'll talk about sensors in a minute. But, you know, that's a 14 meg megapixel difference. Yeah, and that's, that's over a 50% increase over the X-T4. If you remember when we went from the 2 or the 12 uh, to the uh, 12 megapixel sensor to the 26. Yeah. Man, it was 
it was night and day. Huge difference. It was night and day. So you're going to see that difference again in this camera. Yep. And, you know, we did some image reviews in, uh, in the Smokies with people who, um, you know, had uh, cameras of different brands and a few X2, XH2s that had this increase in megapixel. And it, it's very noticeable, it really is. Um, yeah. That's that's one of the main differences. Um, the, the real difference to me is, uh, and I know this sounds really crazy, but they went back to a tilt screen in the XT5. Yes. It's not it's not that flip uh, selfie selfie screen screen, which I you know I I, I didn't need that. And that's just me, you know. I'm I'm old, and I don't need that kind of stuff, really. And no, just... but that that you know, and that was based on a lot of feedback from from still photographers to Fujifilm, um, saying that the that the flippy screen was, you know, it's really more a video type of screen orientation, and the the tilt right. screen is a little bit more useful for photographers and a little easier to use for photographers. So that kind of um, further put the XT5 more in the stills camp than the video yeah. camp. Yeah, they were after the vlogger, V L O G G E R. Yep. There. So I'm really glad they went back to the tilt screen. I think it's a lot functional. I, frankly, I don't even use that screen a whole lot. I, I'm a still a, 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 a viewfinder, you know. The, oh, very the, much. Yep. It's only when I can't get my eye to the viewfinder for some particular reason that I will use the flip screen. Otherwise, you know, I, I have to compose using the viewfinder. I'm into getting it right in the camera. You know that. And sometimes yep. I go a little overboard on that probably. And, you know, I, I still like to, 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 to be a craftsman. And, you know, I check my corners. I check a lot of things in the image before the shutter gets pressed down. I can't do it on that screen. No. Now you got too much glare and too much other yeah. stuff going on that you just can't really compose as well as I would like to yeah. on the LCD screen. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge viewfinder fan. I will take Fujifilm to task on something. Um, there was some new Nikons on these workshops. There was a couple of new Canons. And I got to tell you, they're, they're, uh, there's their their viewfinders viewfinders are way improved over what Fuji has. Fuji's still using that. I think it's a nine sixty by I don't know. I forget the the, the specs, but it, it it doesn't have as many pixels in the viewfinder as the competition has right now. I, I think that's a matter of keeping the cost down. Yeah, I it. would say so, and I and I don't know if it's completely critical for image creation. It's it, it enjoyable. Is, yeah, it isn't. It's it's. I think it's more critical when you're shooting things that are moving. Yep. Um, you know, like a, if you have a a, a, bird, a big bird going through your, you know, you get a little pixelated. On the big, bird. On. big bird. Big bird. Big bird, along with Ernie. And the grouch. Kind of a nitpick. Um, yeah. play... well, well, you know, the, the cool thing about the five, though, too, it's also got improved uh, image stabilization over the four. Yeah. They you added know, another couple of stops. We're up to seven stops now. I I should send this to you. I, I don't have time, so maybe I, I won't. But I, for laughs, 
Um, I wanted to just play with this. And on my X-T4, I actually took a photograph handheld um, at about a half a second. And I have to tell you, it did a good job. But a lot of people will tell you that the, the, the four claims that there's five stops um, with three axis of stabilization. A lot of people tell you that that's overrated. Uh, I've never tested it, so I couldn't tell you. But the new XT5 is up to seven stops and five, uh, five versus three axis stabilization. And what's amazing is that the camera is um, lighter and smaller you know, by about 8%, I think it's, it's not as, not as big as the X-T4. Um, and to get that stabilization in there, uh, increased stabilization, kudos to Fujifilm for doing that. For packing it in, for sure, for sure. And, um, you know, I, you know, Jack, I think I shoot a little bit more video than you do, um, through these cameras and I, I got to tell you you know the three and the four the video was fine for a lot of what I do but you know you can get you can get some nice 4k out of the X-T4 but in the X-T5 you're up to 6k at 30 frames per second you know which is fine for most anything that the majority of still photographers want to do right you know the cutting edge filmmakers they're all you know, clamoring for 8K and all this stuff, but most people don't have the horsepower to render that kind of stuff at home. And, you know, 4K is more than adequate for home movies, for YouTube, for for anything that that most normal people that aren't professional videographers want to do. So, you know, that six six K videos is gonna look awesome. Yeah, I think everybody's looking for some, you know, that they're looking for the you know, the be all and end all. And, you know, there's going to be an XT6 someday. It's going to have more stuff in it. And, yeah. and I don't know. I tell you what, the, the XT1 under 2000 ISO is extremely clean. It's as clean as the XT4. If not, I hate to say it, it might even be a little cleaner. Bill and I were playing with that. And it's a clean camera. So if you have XT1s, folks, don't, don't. I mean, they're great. I the sold mine. The three was great, and the four. To John's point, I don't know. I I have a four, but you know the three and the four were were there. But I think this five is going to be something to to look at. I just love and so it's, you know the cut to the chase. So we'll get into the XH line in a minute. I ordered an XT five today. I did yesterday. I ordered it from a retailer. I won't mention who, but they're in New York. Everybody probably knows and paid full price for it. Yep. Um, it's the only way I can get it relatively quick. And um, I chose that over the X-H2 for one simple reason. I love the ergonomics. I love having that compensation dial up on the top. I, I, I love the retro look. And it's a it's a really good looking camera. I mean to, it, to, to me it's more artistic. It's a more it's a more artistic so I agree with you hundred percent and that's why I stuck with the X D five as well. It's the it's the form factor. I mean the the five and the H are almost identical uh internally and we'll talk about that in a second, but it's the it's the dials and the the um, the I get a more artistic feeling from this. Yeah. 
and it really invigorates my creativity and it gets me to slow down and think about it in a more analog way. Um, and I think I think I produce better art that way. We, we and John and I both and, and Bill, I'll speak for Bill Forty, my, my other teaching partner. You know, we, we, for the most part, use our cameras on a tripod. Now, the X-H2 has a body grip on it, and it's really nice body grip. So if you're hand-holding a camera, you know, it's really nice. And it's probably going to be a lot more form-fitting. But I'll guarantee you that Small Rig or somebody's going to come out with a, with a, with a, <laughs> a body grip for the X-T5, I guarantee it. But in the meantime, it doesn't have one, and the X... XT X, XH2 does have one, and it's a nice feature. But I'll sacrifice that over the ergonomics and the. You know, I'm a, I'm a I list a lot of vinyl records, John, as you know, as you, and I'm an analog guy, <laughs> and the, you know, the XT5 to me is almost like an analog camera versus a digital uh, camera, if you, if you know what I'm saying. There, comparing your record to a CD, you know. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And, and, you know, I'm one of those persons who would rather spin a dial than navigate a menu. I mean, I navigate yeah. menus all day in the office on my computer. I want to go out and be more artistic and be more hands-on with tactile control instead of just pushing buttons and, and D-pads and joysticks. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. just it just feels more artistic to me, and and uh, you, you know, Jack, to your point about the about the smaller uh, hand grip on the XT5, and yeah, it's true. I you know shoot predominantly on a tripod, and I have bigger hands because you know what they say. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, had to throw that in. But you know, for for those times that I do shoot handheld, I mean, how often any if somebody is even a primary handheld shooter. How often are you fully gripping the camera versus loosely holding it or hanging on a neck strap? I mean, the chances of, of you know, you're gripping that camera at the grip for an hour or more at a time, uh-uh. So it's, it's, even though it's a, it's a differentiating feature, I don't think it's a big, that particular big of a deal between the two and the five. I, yeah. I, th I think for me, between the X-H2 and the 5, it's the, it's the loss of the dials on the X-H2. And they replaced it with a top screen, which to some people, I've got one on my GFX and I love it. But that's a different experience shooting-wise. And uh, I didn't want it in my X-T series. Yeah, well, the one thing we need to tell folks to, um, with the XT5 and John, I said, I, I need to add this to the sheet that I sent over to you. The XT5, the XH2, and the XH2S, you need to use Fujifilm's FX glass. The older lenses are not quite up to 40 megapixel, uh, you know, quality. Resolution. So, 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 just to say that again for people that the XF lenses, right, which which are all you know probably the all the current lenses that everybody owns. You know, it's a sixteen to fifty five, the one hundred to four hundred, the fifty to one forty, all those staples that we all shoot. Those are XF lenses, and those have the capacity to resolve that forty megapixel in the in the XT five and the H. On the new primes, you know. I'll do that, the 16, 2, 8, the 
The new 3314, 3550. All the new lenses that they brought out uh, in the last number of months, recent months, are going to be fine. And I actually, the little primes that they had are going to be, even some of the older ones, they're very sharp. We'll be okay. Test them. But I can tell you that, you know, the old kit lenses that came with the X-T3 and 2, uh, 18 to not, 55, 55 to 200. Yeah, they're not going to function as, as well. Yeah. So you'll, still, if you get I, I, I was going to say, Jack, they'll, they'll still fit, but they just yeah. don't have the resolving capabilities to get the true 40 megapixel detail that, that one could get uh, off a better lens. Yeah. So, yep. folks, if, if you put an 18 to 135 on an XT5 or an XH2, you're going to look at it and say, man, this camera's, why did I buy this? It's no better than the X-T3. Yeah. That's not the camera. It's the lens. XF lenses and the, and the, and the new primes yep. um, are, are really good. So what are some of the other differences between the 5 and the X-H line? Yeah, let's get um, so, you know, the, the main difference um, to me is... First of all, it's a three hundred dollar price difference. The the XH two is about two thousand uh, dollars. Same forty megapixel. We talked about the body grip. Uh, we talked about the analog functionality. The XH line has the same functionality almost as the GFX has in terms of the layout of the information that you need to look at. It doesn't have the analog type dials. Um, it's top screen information. Um, you know, uh, the, the biggest difference really is in the autofocus. Um, I'm, and I have, I have not compared these. I'm going on, John, what I've read on, you know, all, all the websites that are reliable, um, that the autofocus in the X-H2 is, is slightly improved over the, uh, the X-T5. Yep. Uh, which, which is important for people, wildlife, and sports. If you're a nature and landscape photographer, I don't think you're going to really notice a difference other than potentially at extremely low light. Correct. Correct. But otherwise, it, it's not a it's not a deal breaker at all for me. Having said that, John, quite honestly, and the, my my people who know me kind of know that they pretty much never leave a conversation saying, "I wonder what Jack meant by that." Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes to my detriment. But if I were a bird photographer and a sports photographer only, only. I would not own a Fujifilm camera because they're not autofocus wise. They're not doing what Nikon and Can even and Canon, and Sony, yeah. iTrack, and Sony. They're they're not doing it. Um, I, I don't know why, but I think it might be a cost situation. They're trying to hit price points, which is which is great. Yep. And and you know to Fuji's credit, they're very successful. They make a great product for 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 what I do and what you do. 
Yes. Yep. Very much so. What? Very much so. And it, it's really hard to build one camera to do everything for everybody. And well, I, and they've they've kind of picked their battles on on where they want to focus their R and D efforts. Well, like I say, if I were if I were a bird a bird photographer, if I were a sports photographer. Uh, it wouldn't. Uh, it would not be. I would own something other than a Fujifilm camera. Yep. Yeah. So the XT5, just real quick, it does have the the pixel shift functionality where you can stack images to create a really large well, file. It does, but it's not. It's not the the sensor is not what they call a stacked sensor. And the XH2S does have the stack sensor. Um, and it, it, again, that sensor is much more expensive and it's really video oriented. Um, the XH2, you know, it'll take you up to what, 100, it said 160 megapixel, I think. Mm -hmm. Do I need 160? No. no, no, no. But I'm just talking for me. Some of you out there may want that. I don't know. Um, you know, if you're into best the best video um, quality that you want, buy an XH2S. Uh, and the four and the five and the XH2, um, you know, is is going to give you a great video. Not quite as good. Um, and and because of the stacked filter, if you use an elect if you use the electronic shutter, which is used when you're shooting very very fast uh, shutter speeds. Uh, through high ISOs, you're going to see a little bit of rolling, what they call, you know, induced rolling roll. shutter. Yeah. Um, when you're in a 15 frames a second mode. Um, but, John, we go to Alaska and do the bears, and we shoot at 10,000, 12,000 ISO. Sometimes when it's bright out, we're at shutter speeds north of a seven thousandth of a second. I've never had an issue because I don't shoot with the electronic shutter. No, I, mean, I don't either. Well, no. So, so far for us, I mean, the you know, the X-T5 is a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer yep. for us. Yep, yep. It, and that's kind of why we both ordered it. And, and I think it's going to be the, I, you know, I think the, my last comment about that is that with the X, I, I read something recently that said, you know, the X-T5 really couldn't be as good as it is without the xh line being as good as it is and right. what they're saying is that you know because the xt4 was trying to be both a video and a stills camera and it was it was okay and it was good but now with the xh2 being a more of a sports camera and more of a video camera along with the stills so it's it's a great hybrid it let the X-T5 return more to its roots of being primarily a stills camera that can also do video and occasional sports and wildlife. Yeah, I mean, the X-H2S is the video camera. The X-H2 and the X-T5, uh, for me, it, it's not really the $300, but, man, I just love the layout of the X-T series. Do I wish I had a, a grip on the camera? Certainly. Um, do I wish that uh, the autofocus was a little better? Always. Probably. 
but I'm I'm I I haven't compared it to two, and I have a feeling that if you look at the specs and numbers, they'll it'll the XH2 will show up better than the XT5, but in real life, I challenge people to 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 actually. Yeah. I think I think the last point that, that just I just sort of remembered, Jack, too, on the five is that it's not even though the body itself is sculpted to have a little bit smaller grip and it's not provisioned to put on an external battery grip. Right. Like we could with previous models. So it will yeah. not they're not planning on a battery grip. I don't do that anyhow. So I, I don't either. I stopped doing that after the two because of just size and weight. And it sort of defeated my purpose of having a, a lightweight camera system. The other thing in the XT5, there are two um, SD card slots in there. The good old X, X, SD cards, they haven't gone to the new. Uh, CF fairly, Express. Yeah, so XH has CF Express. XT5 is only SD cards. So, you know, to me, I, I hate to say it, but... Again, maybe it's just because I'm stuck in my old ways. <laughs> I'm, and, and you know, folks, I talked when I talked to John this morning. I told him I ordered one. He says, "Well, I ordered one too." And we did not. We didn't know this. And the same thing happened with Bill Fortney this morning. He told me he ordered one. I said, "Oh, you ordered one? Well, I ordered one too." Yeah. We didn't get together on this. This is this happened. Uh, we, we each made our own decisions. As, as they say now, this happened organically. It, it did. It did. So, oh. folks, hopefully that was helpful a little bit in talking about how we see the differences between the uh, X-T5, the X-T4, and the X-H2 cameras. Um, I think, Jack, I wanted to make a quick call out for folks because there's even stuff, some really cool stuff happening on the software side of things. Before you get into that, John, I want to be philosophical for 30 seconds. Uh, sure. Everybody, everybody sit down, close your eyes now. And I want you to internalize what I'm going to tell you because this is profound. This is right out of Stephen Hawking. And this makes Guy Tal sound like you, John. You ready for this profound comment? Uh-oh. Sure. If your images are crappy, it's not your camera. Yep. Ain't that the truth? I'll end with that. Yeah. Yep. We are blessed with having such great hardware and software at our disposal that the the the, the pressure is really on us as photographers and artists to use them to grow our own knowledge, skills and abilities. Which we'll maybe touch on that here after my... You back that up and say artists first, photographers second. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Great point. Um, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to, to folks. Um, if you haven't updated to the latest uh, Adobe Lightroom and Photoshop, um, do it if you can. Uh, they have some incredible updates to the masking functionality within there and... It's it's really mind blowing the advancements that they're making. You know, for me, Lightroom was sort of stagnant for a while, and then in the last eight, nine, ten months, um, they've really made a lot of fantastic adjustments and competition. Yeah, it is, it is. But now it's easier than ever to, you know, select your subject or select the background without having to invert it. Things that I don't use, but it's kind of cool. If you take a shot of a group of people, it will recognize the group. 
and list them out individually and you just click on their icon and you can select just that one person. You know, there's a lot of really cool things that they're doing. Yeah. Um, so go ahead and update. Um, you know, for me, I, I, uh, I was on a really old operating system and it's, it's a challenge to update it, but I'm gonna, and then update my operating system very, very soon. So very cool stuff. And then, um, just the other thing, I'm, I'm going to send out a mailing as well, but, uh, you know, I'm still continuing to be Jack, the very impressed with the Topaz products. Yeah. You know, the denoise and the Sharpen um, have just been, they're now a constant presence in my workflow. I, I've used them enough that I can start recommending them um, to folks that I speak with. Yeah, and the Gigapixel too. And this is to the Megapixel Wars that I, I don't know if it's as bad as it was a year or two ago, but Man, I tell you what, when I when we went to 26 megapixels, I said, man, do I ever need any more than this? And now I'm saying, well, 40 is probably where the sweet spot is. And, you know, I'm here in 100, 150 megapixels. To, uh, you know, you want to enlarge your image, this Topaz Gigapixel does a great job. It They're does. Really and I'd much rather do it there than in the camera cramming all that megapixel onto a sensor and, and john let the people know also that we are not we're not monetized by topaz at all I oh mean, no no people have a, a code and they get affiliate dollars back and all of that from software companies we, we don't do that we use it because it still functions i still use nick you know and i was yeah. one of the big I was one of beta testers for Nick when they were in San Diego before Google bought them. I'm still using the same program, and and I'm not. We're not plugging anything because we're getting any money here. Um, no, we're just we're just talking about things that we recommend because we use them. That's it. That's so it. You know, and I was having a conversation the other day. Speaking of what you were you were just talking about, 100 and 150 megapixel, and you know, as we cram more, there's a whole concept. I think I've talked about it before around pixel density on the sensor, and and as the pixels get smaller on a given size of sensor, you know, like a let's just pick a full frame sensor, right? It used to be 20 megapixels, then it went up to 30. Then it went up to 50. Now it's 100. All on that full frame size, right? The pixels get smaller and they get closer together. And that has a an effect on the image quality that that uh, I'm continuing to watch as we can as we cram more and more on the sensor. You lose some of the micro contrast between pixels. You lose some of the the, the graduations as you move through a tonal range across an image. And, and I know through software, they've gotten really good in camera with that, uh, with, with mitigating any of those effects, but still it's something that I'm, I kind of watch and, 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 and am aware of. Well, we'll see cramming 40 megapixels on an APS-C sensors. Yeah. Same thing. Quite amazing. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Amazing. But the new, the new, uh, the new light is, uh, you know, not only, not only the masking, you know, they're, they're, they've improved their, uh, stitching in photo merge for panorama. Really, really, really good. I used to have to use another program for that. 
um, you know, uh, and I guess in Lightroom, you know, if you want a photo stack, I still use Helix and Focus. Again, I'm not monetized. I don't get a dime from those folks. Yeah, me too. But I got to tell you that that in Photoshop, it's 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 approaching Helix and Focus quality right now, and that's something that wasn't available a year or two ago. Yeah, you you watch my next. So I was going to say the only, you know, Lightroom is getting so close to Photoshop these days. But the, but the biggest area where I can't make the edits that I want to in Lightroom that I can in Photoshop is in the content aware and cleaning up stuff, fixing things with the content aware tools in Photoshop are so much better than Lightroom. And John, you are the fixer. I am. I am. I am OCD on that topic. It's a whole three day workshop on cleaning. <laughs> I do have an hour long presentation on it, but yeah, it's, uh, but, but the, you know, the, the healing brush in Lightroom, I think still is subpar compared to the rest of the program. So you watch their next major update. They're going to fix that. Well, they still got to sell Photoshop too. So, yeah, you know, yeah, well, they just bundle it with, with the photographer's package and it's a, you know, guaranteed sale. But, but I still love Photoshop for all the plugins and the tonal tonality masks I use and a bunch of the other stuff um, and finishing the program, uh, finishing the image. I still love going to Photoshop. Yeah, it, it, there's a difference. But this new masking, uh, uh, the new stuff that they added into Lightroom, it's uh, it's it's Nick software time saving type. I mean, the Nick software to me. There's nothing you couldn't do in Nick that you couldn't do in Photoshop or Lightroom. You just save time. Yep. Uh, and again, going back to that point, I bet you that if you took the time and and, and processed like you know a Guy Tal or a Michael Gordon or a or a Sean uh, Bagshaw uh, or so, or something like that, um, a Photoshop is is the ultimate precision program. It's mm -hmm. a time learning curve situation yes. yep agreed but you know folks I just even in in my workshop a couple of weeks ago I was uh, came across a few people that don't go into Photoshop and I'm I again admonish people you know you have the program if you do nothing else go to Photoshop for content aware and then go back to Lightroom it's really easy to make a round trip just do it Yep. Just do it. So, Jack, you know, with all this being said about these fantastic tools we have, new cameras, great software, you and I were talking before the program is that, that this should not kill or replace your creativity. And I, you and I, it, when we see... I did a little math and I think I just finished my 200 and I forget what it is, 280th photo workshop in the last 20 something years. Um, we, we look at a lot of images, we review a lot of images and I'm constantly seeing people becoming slaves to the technology of the camera and more so the software thinking they can, you know, make you know, you can't make a great meal with rotten food. You know, you need the you need the, the basic ingredients uh, to make to make to make things work. And 
I see people becoming slaves to saying I can fix this in whatever software you're using. And, uh, you know, we, we bought a table in our new place in Tennessee, and it was handcrafted by a person out of old reclaimed barn wood. And I want to tell you what it cost. And it weighs about 180 pounds. But it's an art. It's a craft. And I'm not, I see that going away in a lot of things, you know. People are going to Ikea and they're going wherever. And there's you know, good stuff there, but it's it's not the crafted product that, you know, that that I espouse to do when I take a photograph. And I don't rely on the software. In fact, the better the photograph, the less time you're going to have to spend processing the damn thing. Yeah, or, or even, or even um, you know, going back to the hardware with the cameras and talking about the image stabilization, even even though the X-T5 have, has seven stops of stabilization, I'm not going to change my behavior of not using my tripod. Why? Because it gets me to slow down and craft my images. Not just walk around and fire off shit stuff and figure it out in uh, and figure it out in post when I get home. No, it's it, you know it's just it's just me. I, I, I you know and my workshop attendees are probably sick of hearing this, but just you know when the shutter gets pressed, it's almost over. Yeah. And I like I like to get the image good. And yeah, I mean we all process our images. There isn't. The exception of a few years when E6 film was happening, pre-Photoshop, pre-Adobe, every image that was ever made from the beginning of photography has been processed one way or the other. I'm not against processing, but I, I really I really encourage everybody to not become what I call slaves to the technology. Well, what's your, I was kind of reminded of your quote that I can't pull the exact wording, but it's... Uh... Uh, be an artist, not a camera owner. Well, I got that from Guy Tal, John. I'd like yeah. to take, I'd like to take uh, credit for it. Yeah. Guy, around Guy says that he is an artist that uses a camera. Yeah. And that's that's, you know, that's to his credit. That's that's where what I aspire to, you know, aspire. Yeah. Me, and, me too, and it's a it's a subtle shift in mentality. But I just happen to use a camera tool to create my art versus versus I have all this technology and I want to use it because I have it. You know. You know, I used to when I was in the music business. I used to go down to Giordanelli's on Forty Eighth Street in New York City to buy my valve oil and my music paper and all that stuff. And I walk in, I see these kids. You know, and they're all trying new mouthpieces. And they're, oh, this mouthpiece, look, look. you know, I look at them and I said, you know, I'm still using the same mouthpiece. I use the 11th grade. I said, it would be better serve going home and practicing than sitting here trying new mouthpieces because it, it's not going to help you. It, yeah. you know, yeah, very true. Very true. So there's our little soapbox on uh, technology and being an artist for today. It is. It is. But, but I have one more thing I want to tell everybody about that I just found. You know, yeah. when I go, when I, which I need to do more, but when I get in the car and maybe drive up to Rainier and go somewhere to, to look around and maybe take a photograph or two, sometimes I just go, 
um, you know, I used to look at the weather all the time. And whenever I got somewhere, the weather was never what they said it was going to be anyhow. So I quit looking at the weather and just dealt with the, what I have with the light and the conditions I have. But when you run um, flow workshops or you're taking vacations or you're going out uh, specifically for something, it's really important to know what the weather is. And I, I look, people always ask me, how do you how do you look at the weather? And I'm going to be very brief. Um, I look at a lot of different, there's a lot of different ways. I found a new website that's really cool. Um, you can get a lot of information free. There's also a subscription like everything else. And uh, it's called Pivotal, P-I-V-O-T-A-L, Pivotal Weather. And in this, you've got so many uh, ensembles that you can look at and and predictions and watch things move and, and see where they're going uh, uh, and be ready for, um, you know, we're going to be in the Tetons in a few weeks. If it's going to be pretty snowy and cold this year. And I know, I already know that because of pivotal weather. I'm not going to go into the details, but if everybody's got a few minutes, just go to pivotalweather.com and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's, it's yeah. really great. Yeah, it's a great site yeah, for sure. Um, John, let's talk about next year. Let's talk about next year, Jack. Do you realize that this is November 4th? So that in 60 days, we're already four days into 2023. I know. I know. This, this year, this has been quite a year, for sure. But, you know, you and I have been planning 2023 for almost a year now. Yeah. I think yeah. putting together, talking and putting together our schedules, both individually and collectively. And uh, I think we've got a great, great offering of uh, workshops coming up next year. Well, you know, it's a funny thing because I, I see uh, it's really important when we're, I'm in this business with, you know, like John and Bill and, and uh, you know, the rest of the groups that run photo workshops, uh, you know, that we know um, where, where, where other groups are going to be and what they're charging and when they're going and that kind of stuff so we, we kind of have to monitor the competition a little bit i don't worry about them i just i need to know what's going on and you know i'm seeing all sorts of things going on and and i'm not going to mention any names i'm going to be a little bit i don't know i, I so it, it, there's a really large group of people who run around um with 10 to 15 photographers and they're great people the, the, the photographers are a lot of almost all of my friends and they're great photographers um and for example they're going to run an event in olympic national park next year john and i run an event in olympic national park and we're going to be there about the, a week before because it tends to be a little bit better conditions in terms of rainy and wet and then we'll typically get one or two decent sunsets on the beach um we don't take more than about 10 people keeping everything about a five to one ratio to teacher and instructor and i gotta tell you we've got spots to go to i, I have i and again i'm not going to mention name i get this one photographer lives up there he's called me up and said where was that 
And I said, well, I'm not going to leave. And we're on forest service. We're in places that people don't even know. Well, we've been running workshops there for 20 years, Jack. And so we know spots that a lot yeah. of other people don't. I'm just going to blow our own horn. The yeah. pollution is a We go in front time and, and, you know, there's so many places that we go to. You know, I we do a sunrise in a location that, you know, this is my 26th year there this year. I've never seen another group there, and it's awesome. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, so, I, well, I think this whole point, though, Jack, the, the reason you brought that up, it speaks to the value that, that we bring for the price that we charge. You know, and, and damn it, we, we, we run small groups. We're running almost half the price of these people running with north of 20 to 50, sometimes more. And I, I, I'm just really proud of what we do and, yeah. and uh, i'm not i'm not angry with anybody and uh, you mm -hmm. know if, but it's I, just it's just sort of a shout out to the listeners that you know really look at your experience and what you hope to get out of these trips that you spend your hard-earned money for i mean do you want to grow your knowledge skills and ability have personalized instruction have a lot of hands-on time with with really experienced photographers or do you just want to go on a tour and be told where to shoot? Yeah. And then there's one other thing that I'd like to talk about. Um, you know, we had to raise our prices this year, just like milk and gas and and, and a dozen eggs. I, I hate to do it, but our hotel costs and our travel costs and our, 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 our running costs have gone up. We're, believe me, we're not making any more money at the end of the day that we were four years ago and we've had to quit offering our early 2023 uh, registration discount and our return uh, attendee discount i had someone recently said well you know i'm really going to miss those discounts i said well here's what i could do i said i could add 15 percent to the price and give you the discounts if you'd like to like to feel better about it. Um, I don't want to do that. John doesn't want to do that. Even the stuff I don't know for it, we don't want to do that. So we're just going to give you the, give you the price, and this is what it is. Well, and we, and the point is, is that we're trying to keep our prices as low as possible, as we're seeing. To your point about seeing our competitors and everybody else, I mean, there's some really expensive workshops going to the same places that we go to, and they don't live here. No. Nope, nope. You know, and they haven't been there 20-something years. But that's, that's the point. The point is that, you know, it, like everything else, our costs have gone up, and I'm not real happy about it, but it's something that we've had to do. Uh, someone said to me last week, they said, well, boy, it, says, it sure was nice getting those discounts. I'm going to miss those discounts. I said, well, you know, I am too, and I wish I could do it. Yeah. Um, but I just found it's more to be upfront another another code word now transparent everybody's transparent um to be transparent this is what it is i you know it, it, we could actually be a pig and probably raise the price another couple hundred dollars and probably have probably well, wouldn't least. the same amount of people but this is where we are and this is what we want to do um, yep 
Yep. So, folks, uh, just real quick, just, uh, you know, a highlight just to remind you guys, um, as Jack said, we are going to the Olympic National Park together. So uh, we've got a small group planned for that. You and I are once again planning on going back to the Palouse in the spring, which will be another outstanding year, I think, this year. That's always a wonderful workshop. It's a challenging workshop because we have to get up so early. All this rain that we're getting now, John, yeah. the next couple of months is going to make the Palouse. It's awesome. going to be awesome. The other cool one that I'm super happy we're bringing back is the Eastern Sierras uh, during the fall. The, the color down there in the Eastern Sierras of California is so amazing. Down from, um, you know, down from uh, Levining, down to, um, you know, through the... Uh, um, Sorry, my brain just took a left turn, you know, through the Bristlecone Forest, North Lake, Lundy Canyon. All of those areas are just fantastic, and, and uh, I can't wait to get back down there again. We'll be there in early October, and then uh, then we're going to be in Monument Valley uh, later. Uh, in earlier in September. In September. Yep. Um, is, is that a wait list only now? Yeah, we're back. To, we're, we're into a wait list for that now. Well, and that logistically, so if, if you have any interest in that, get on the wait list. I, I almost guarantee you someone's going to drop out. That's the way things are going now with all the new stuff that we're dealing with. Um, but that's uh, that's there. Um, you know, the other thing I'd like to mention, John, and you know, uh, we're we're running an event in Tucson, some you know about, we're gonna actually get announced it publicly here coming up this week, called the Masters of Nature and Landscape Photography. This is gonna be a three-day event. Um, and uh, you can go to mnlp.net and you'll see everything that you need to know about it. Um, there'll be some morning and evening sessions with the instructors and I'm gonna mention them in a minute. Uh, everybody will have time individually with these folks. We'll have presentations um, by everybody uh, that's there. And it's an all-star roster. I mean, let me give you some names. Joe McNally, the Joe McNally will be there. Matt Kelby will be there. Colleen Minnick, one of my favorite people, a great photographer will be there. Uh, Steve Gettle will be there. Ian Plant will be there. Ken Jenkins. Ken is from Tennessee. Does uh, what a what a shooter. He's the most underrated, underknown photographer in the country. He's amazing. Uh, and of course, Bill and I. John's John. I John Peterson's going to be there too. I'll be there as well. John is good enough to handle all our, our web information. It's uh, good. He, he, He's the cog in the wheel there that made that happen too. So John's got some other skills other than uh, being a, a good photographer. So um, this is going to be in uh, October 30th to November 3rd next year. The information is on the internet, mnlp.net. We're going to have podcasts coming up in the next few weeks with all of these people. We'll have Joe on, we'll have Ian, we'll have Steve. And we've had Ian on already, but maybe yeah. we'll still. Yeah. And anyhow, we'll, we'll, Colleen, we'll have them all on, and uh, uh, 
it's going to be uh, an exciting event. Anyway, I think we've held everybody way too long I think, here. Yeah, and just one last shout out though. I just got to do one last, one last uh, horn shouting, tooting. I had a late cancellation for Iceland in January. If anybody has any interest in going, reach out to me, John Peterson, and we'll see if we can get you over to Iceland. It's a fantastic winter trip. I've got a, a local guy that that Jack and I work with over there and uh, I've got a one opening that just popped open. So I'd love to fill it with somebody, one of you guys that's listening. So drop me a note. You know, you know, um, if you, if you think you don't want to go to Iceland in the winter because it's cold, it's the same climate virtually as Seattle. Yeah. Now when it, Get it out at night looking at some aurora. Yeah, it's going to be in the probably in the twenties. But Reykjavik never really when it, it it doesn't go below freezing that much. Mm-hmm. And you get along the south coast, the Gulf Stream goes up there and keeps it. You know, if any, it's more rain than snow. Frankly, uh, you can get some ice, but you know, it's a great time to be there. The crowds are gone, and the landscape is surreal. Yeah, and, uh, yeah good way to put it. All right. So with that, I think you're right, Jack. I think we've held everybody long enough. Thank you all if you've managed to make it to this part of the podcast. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. We're going to have, uh, we've got some guests scheduled for some upcoming podcasts, as Jack said. Looking forward to those conversations. So, uh, you know, if if you guys have any comments, uh, please drop us a note. Uh, We talk photo at gmail.com. Other than that, I just wish everybody a happy and dry day. Yep, dry wherever you are. Not yep. here. Talk to you later. All right, bye bye.